Uh, right, okay, this is this is episode 23 of Music and More. Um, and yeah, following on um, from, we had Nick Hodgson on, another lad from Leeds, uh, Leeds band. And this week we've got uh, Turnbull Smith from Skylights, who we're very happy to have on. Um, now, you know, like I've been speaking to Turnbull for quite a while on social media and, you know, we've always had a good rapport and that I've always enjoyed chatting with him. Um, and you guys are making a lot of buzz as well, man. So I thought, you know, why not get you on the podcast? So how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really well. Thanks, Adam. And thank you very much for having me on. No problem at all, man. No problem. Yeah. Leads, leads, leads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like that I knew that? Yeah. How about that Calvin Phillips, right? <laughs> He's killing it. Are yeah, you... I mean, Leeds are on fire. They're, they're playing brilliantly. And they got a draw with Liverpool uh, last night. And they're really, oh, well, three nights ago, should I say. And uh, they really, they really could have won. Yeah, I think Pete Pete's pretending that he actually might know something about football there. Oh, <laughs> that that that, uh, that Bielsa, I mean, he really <laughs> turned things around Leeds United. Well, I mean, if you well, talk, if you if you want to talk about that, that is true. To be honest, Pete, you've been doing your research on more than just the band there, aren't you? <laughs> Truth be told, the only thing I know about soccer is that they use a white ball. But uh, I did do some research, and I found out you guys are actually pretty popular in that in that community. <laughs> Well, we had to be popular in something, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, I just thought we'd talk a little bit about, you know, the band, how you guys got going, uh, what sort of things influenced you, you know, those sorts of things, really. Yeah, absolutely. Back uh, in the late 90s, early 1000s, I was in a, I was in a band with my friend Mike and uh, we, we did okay, actually. We were, we were quite sort of poppy, really, and uh, we were managed by a guy from York called Tim. Mm. And he actually, I mean, we didn't really have this style of music, but he actually put us on tour with Mark Owen, uh, you know, from Take That, yeah, yeah. which was a cracking. I didn't see a lot of Mark because he he was very much kept himself to himself, but his actual band were, were brilliant. Like we we just got absolutely lashed every night, and we just had such a good time. And bearing in mind I was a teenager at the time, so I was like, wow, this is brilliant. <laughs> uh, we did a few gigs with Kai's Chief and stuff like that, but in the end, that kind of fizzled out. And uh, I was at the stage in my life where I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to do music anymore. What am I going to do? So I couldn't really think of much else to do as a hobby. I picked up a couple of bits and bods. But then my mate Johnny came round, Johnny Skaz, our bass player. And he just knocked, because I didn't see him for a while, and knocked him down. He's like, here, turn. Do you fancy doing a band? And I was like, yeah, I will do. But rather than playing bass, which I used to, I thought I'd have a go at guitar. Mm. And I'd never played a solo in my life or anything and so me and him were jamming a little bit and we were big fans of the music uh, at the time your first album was out right right yeah yeah i was like i was like oh i love this sound how, how old are you and then we needed... how, how old are you lads then how old are you if you don't mind me asking i'm, th- I'm 37 all oh, right so you're exactly the same age as me right right sound yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right yeah so yeah. when when you were peaking like i was about 18 19 yeah yeah or yeah. 20 whatever i was mm. and uh it was just amazing days because we get in the nightclub and take the long road would always be on. The people would always be on. It would just be, you know, amazing times. And we yeah. travelled all over seeing you guys. We oh, went right. uh, Empire. M- the Empire in Middlesbrough was one of my favourite ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an absolutely banging venue. That we played that a couple of times. It's a quality room. Did that with Charlotte and, and I think we did that twice on his own. But yeah, man, that's a really good room. I loved it there. And uh, after seeing you guys, I thought I'd love to play here one day. And we actually played with the delays, if you remember them. Yeah, I do remember the, the delays. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Empire. We actually pretty much got stoned as well because their dressing room was that full of weed <laughs> that it was just 
it was in corridors <laughs> everywhere. So we were a bit woozy as well. But so the Mills Empire was, you know, fantastic. And then we needed a singer desperately. And bearing in mind, I'd only just took up guitar. And Johnny had only just started playing bass. So we we're very, very basic. Mm. And we tried we tried a couple of singers out. We couldn't really find anything that was right. And Johnny's brother Rob had sung in a band at school. He'd done Battle of the Bands. He'd just done one gig. And we we were like, right, let's just let's ask him. Mm. So we asked him and he said no. So we literally just bribed him into it. I've, men- I've mentioned this story before, but we literally just bought him loads of beer. We paid for his practices <laughs> and just turned it into a bit of a social. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. just sort of just forced him into it. And then <laughs> I booked a gig. I booked a gig without telling him because he kept up. saying up. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was pretty soon after. It was only a few weeks after we'd actually started practicing because uh, and a friend of mine who uh, who couldn't play drums save his life. We had him on drums. And he was just, his, basically, his dad was a drum teacher. Right. Uh, and so he just borrowed his dad's kit. And just oh, did right. So, so that was how he made his name as a drummer, was just the fact that his dad had a kit. So everyone was like, right, well, his, his dad's got a kit, so he can beat drummers. <laughs> and you just got to hope he can that, play. Is that the setup, yeah? That's exactly it. <laughs> but unfortunately, but unfortunately, he couldn't. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I mean, I've seen plenty of bands like that, mate. Honestly, I've seen plenty of bands like that, even ones who are, you know, proper professional ones. No, no names being mentioned. <laughs> well, the studio is an amazing place, isn't it, where you can make anything sound oh, good? Oh, mate, I mean, honestly, like, you know, I mean, not getting into it too much, but certainly you, you see some bands live and you're either like, you lot are either really, really hammered or, you know, they did it, <laughs> it took a lot of chopping stuff up to make your, your record. Do you know what I mean? Like, as I say, I don't really want to say any examples, but I've got some shining ones in my head, honestly. But yeah, carry on, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing what they can do. So I bribed, I bribed my mate, uh, Johnny's brother, to, to be the singer. I'd got my mate in who, who didn't actually want to be the drummer. Right, right. He was doing it for us as a favour. Under protest. And we, we did, yeah, we did a few gigs and they were all right. How did you get away? How did you get away doing the gigs though? If if your drummer couldn't play, do you know what I mean? How did that? How did that work out? Well, Adam, as you know, it doesn't matter how good you are, does it? The only thing that matters is if you've got loads of mates that buy tickets. <laughs> <laughs> you are not wrong. You are not wrong, mate. Certainly, it's sort of like the grassroots level. I mean, that's what exactly what it used to be like for us. I mean, to be fair, we only we only did like I think we did like one of those sorts of gigs before we did Bright Young Things. But it was you know the guy who um, the promoter. It was very much that sort of vibe. You know, like they didn't want to know you until they got a sniff that you might bring six or seven mates, and then they were like, oh yeah, well you can head, you can headline if you've got six mates, you can headline. What about your mums and dads? Do you know what I mean? And, but yeah, but that's what they're like in it, man. Honestly, that. That's that's really what it's like, and then it's a case of uh, sort of who shouts loudest, isn't it? Really, do you know what I mean? In that sense, absolutely. And our singer is a popular lad; he's got loads of mates. So <laughs> we just we just got we just got loads of gigs, and gradually we sort of got better. The drummer, uh, the, the drummer, gradually be able was able to keep time then. <laughs> no, <laughs> because because he left. Oh, yeah, now right, he sells okay. t-shirts. Okay. <laughs> he, oh, that's tight, man. He got you through the early stages and he couldn't even play and then you drop him. <laughs> no, he, he wanted to leave, to be fair, because uh, he was I'm, like, listen, I'm lad. <laughs> He's like, listen, lad, I'm not a drummer. And yeah. he started getting, we're like, well, we're going to play anyway, but he's just like, listen, I'm not a drummer. So I bumped into an old pal of mine who played with the band when, 
with me when I was in my early teens. He was a little bit older. Miles, who's our current drummer. So I saw him and says, Ian Miles, you fancy joining a band again? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come and watch you. So he came and watch us. And he was like, I'm not sure, Terry. I'm not sure about this. Right, I was like, right. come on, Miles, it, it'll be good. So then Miles joined and it totally transformed us. Because as you know, as you lads know, if you've got a bad drummer, you've just got no chance. You yeah. might as well not bother. Yeah, man, certainly, definitely. I mean, I won't know anything about having a bad drummer, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Um, but, <laughs> oh, no, but I mean, you've you know, experienced that. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that goes back into, you know, what we were saying about us and when we first started playing together and just, you know, how natural it was and how capable everyone was. But like, I could, I could not imagine doing a gig like with a drummer that literally, you know, literally were just like, but I suppose if you create enough of a vibe and like you say yourself, it, at that grassroots stage, if you can get enough of your mates through door, then um, do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not being funny, but you've got bands like the Claxons who like, I mean, they'll they'll openly admit themselves that their early gigs, um, you know, none of them could play and it would just, <laughs> but, yeah. they, but they just created an absolute vibe, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? All piling in with the glow sticks and all that, you know, jumping on that scene and it just created a vibe and, you know, then like you say, again, you get in the studio and you can, you can create some stuff and then you go see that live and you're just like, well, whatever, man, but you need a good drummer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you start off doing covers or did you already start? Did you guys start writing right away? No, I've never done covers. Uh, I used to play okay. bass in, in my previous bands, and I always liked sitting down with my acoustic and writing songs. And at first, with my first band, we used to sing, sing a lot of them. But then gradually over time, the lead singer just wanted to do all his own songs. Mm -hmm. So I had a, I had books and books full of songs, uh, and I thought they were all right. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, we're still digging them out now, the old songs, because... Uh, I just used to enjoy sitting in my bedroom and strumming a few chords and uh, yeah. writing a few songs, and it was, yeah. it was a good, it was a good time. Yeah, man. No, I mean, if going back to stuff like that, there'll always be stuff where you listen to it with fresh ears and just be like, "Shit, man, that's you know, that's actually really, really good." Something that you've dismissed, God knows how many years ago, coming back to. But yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun hearing stuff like that. I think as well. Mm. So we, we got the new drummer in, and we started getting a little bit better. And we had been recording songs at our local studio and they hadn't, they hadn't been great. Probably half because of our playing and half because it was, it was on the cheap. Right. And I had a mate of mine called Johnny Greatwood and he used to record all our stuff and he, he, was, he was absolutely brilliant. And I knew that we got to a stage now where we weren't quite as bad as we were. So we needed some good recording. So I found out he'd moved to London. So, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> so I managed to get older because you know what you know what these people are like they're very hard to get older the good ones are hard to get older oh extraordinarily so, hard to get older even when the you, they're actually your current managers they're incredibly hard to get older <laughs> Carry on. yeah so so believe it or not I searched his name on the internet because I had no number I had no email and I just found an email for John Greatwood so I'm like well I'll, I'll try it out and I emailed him and about six weeks later we got back saying hey turn good to hear from you yeah I'll be up for doing it so I was like brilliant so we dragged him up here and we recorded in, in Strensel just near York all right uh a couple of tracks and uh he he was brilliant and the sounded we really really liked the sound of it and we were like wow this is this is brilliant <laughs> and we sort of gave the CD out and uh carried on playing mainly around York and then it just kind of petered out and uh, the drummer had uh, just started a business. I'd just had my first child yeah. and no one's really bothered anymore. 
But then Scouse came came in, the, the lead singer came in and says, oh, I've got this song called YRA. And I'd blatantly nicked the rift off a few guys. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the, same, the, the same sound with, with bags of delay and, and the wire. And he's like, well, this is good. And we did it. And we come out thinking, well, this is a really good song. Like the first time we're thinking this is really good. And then we yeah. sent it out to loads of places and not one person even said it was any good. We didn't even get anything, not not one single comment. So I was like, oh, forget it. I'm done with music. I'm just going to I'm gonna sell all my gear. I've had enough. Mm. So I just flogged all my stuff, stuck it all on eBay. Oh, you did? You actually, you actually sold it all, yeah? Sold the lot. Right. I sold my wow. guitar on eBay. Someone <laughs> tried to rip me off because they said it was damaging the post. And I'm like, well, can you send us some pictures? They won't send us any pictures. Oh, and okay. It went on for months and months and months. But in the end, I got my guitar back. Right, but right. then I sold it. Then I sold it to me, mate, and just sold all stuff. And then we didn't do anything for seven years. Oh, and okay. Yeah, and then in 2018, my wife said, oh, I'll put, I'll put one of your CDs on in care. And she, she used to love me first band because we, we were quite popular, like I say. And she was like, well, I'll put a Skylight CD on it, and I really liked it. And this is my wife. I was like, oh, here we go. And she <laughs> was like, oh, you should you should play again. I says, nah, I'm done with it. I'm done. I've, I've put my heart and soul in. We've got absolutely nowhere. I've had enough. But then I started getting robbed. The, the lead singer guys calling me saying, turn, turn, you know, I'm a bit down at dumps. I'd love to do the band again. I'm yeah. like, mate, you're a good singer. You can join another band. He says, no, I only, I only want to play with you, lads. So I was like, oh, here we go. And then my wife started saying, I'll book the gig. I'll organise the stuff. I'll hire you some gear. Oh, I'm gonna say, I yeah. said, I'm not hiring gear. <laughs> All right. I said, I'm not hiring gear because it'll be crap. So it has to be right. So we booked... Uh, Fibbers in York. I don't know if you know yeah, that. yeah, we played Fibbers. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, man. And uh, I found out it was six hundred capacity, and I'm thinking there ain't a chance in hell that we're ever gonna <laughs> sell this out. And I says I ain't coming back for a gig to play for my mum and dad and my wife. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then it would cost <laughs> us. It would cost about two hundred pound yeah. to hire the venue out. Yeah, yeah. So I said, like, oh man. So anyway, I got this YRA song out that Scazard wrote. It stands for Yorkshire Republican Army. It's nicked off a Leeds chant. Mm, yep. And through, honestly, through pure desperation and panic, I just started tweeting people saying, ah, if you get a minute, please can you listen to this song? And I sent it to thousands, I mean thousands of people. I'd send it to everyone and anyone. Mm. I mean, you name it. And then, lo and behold, the club, the actual official club, Leeds United, messaged me saying, we love this song. Do you mind if we use it in a video? I was like, no, that would be amazing. So they yeah. used it as the official song for the uh, 2018 season. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, wow, this is good. And then the Square Ball magazine started saying, we really like your music. Can we do a little article on you? So we got an article with them. Then we got an article in the, the local paper. Mm. Then the Yorkshire Evening Post did an article. And BBC Introducing started playing it. So I was like, well, maybe it's not a bad song after all. It's do you know really what I mean? <laughs> And uh, we just went from there and people just started supporting us. And so we just carried on playing and it's just gone really well ever since. I could see how that would do well in the club because it's got a chant. It's sort of got a you know a gang mentality to it. You know, the, the yeah. It's really good. Rob Skaz, he's really good at writing those type of songs. Like yeah, my, my songs are all very, uh, very, you know, just generic type songs, really. The ones I do. But it, he, his is different. His is like a football type of vibe. And yeah, yeah. He loves that chanting stuff. Well, I was going to say, I mean, how do you approach things like that? Do you know what I mean? In terms of, I mean, obviously the song that they used and that connected in that sense was an old song, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. 
how how have you approached things since in terms of you know how do you approach writing basically as a group or do you write solo do you know what i mean how does that work well what happens is like i say i've got a few old songs that i sort of i've done the whole song mm-hmm. mainly the slow songs like there's a song called nothing left to say and our last single darkness falls the darkness falls chorus was a really old song that I'd wrote years ago. Right. And so I, I, I did all the chords and the chorus, and I, I sent the verses to Rob's guys saying, put some words to it. Because when he does the words, he sings them a lot better because right. he knows what he can do. Mm. And so that happened with that. And with the faster songs like YRA and Enemy, I send him the guitar and then he puts his lyrics to him right, and the right, melody right. to him. Yeah, yeah. So do you jam, yeah, we, jam through them as a band then, or do you sort of put them together like that? We finish them and then take them to, to the band to get the bass and drums on. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When uh when it got out that you guys were coming or that you were coming on to the podcast, I got a couple of messages from uh so, from some music fans that also like you guys, and and that was the overwhelming favorite was Darkness. Everybody was like, "That's the song." <laughs> Thank you, and uh, thanks to those people. I'm really really proud of that song because uh, a lot of these songs were done like years ago, and I never, I never thought they'd ever be heard. So. The fact that people are hearing them and, you know, I get messages, people saying they like song, you know, it's it's surprising and it's really nice, you know, it means a lot. Yeah, man, and I can I can totally identify with that. I can totally identify with it because, I mean, you know, it's exactly the same to, to what I did, you know, I mean, after the music finished and I kind of wrote all them tunes and sort of recorded them in my bedroom and then, you know, just woke up one morning quite similarly to you i mean i didn't sell everything i just put all mine in stock well i just stuffed it various places it'd fit to be honest but uh, yeah. yeah to to then have have songs that you know that mean something to you be buried that long and um you know what well, I, I just put mine on you you know when all this stuff started i i put mine just on youtube and um like you say just people listening to them and getting back to you and just like listening to them and saying yeah man i really like that tune you know what i mean it means a lot to you especially when it's something that um even if you know even if it is something that's from quite a while ago yeah absolutely it's a bit of a story of uh of your life in it and you start sharing it i mean how did you uh deal with like the music stopping playing um <laughs> well I mean, to be honest, it's a long conversation, that really. I, sp- I found it very difficult, which uh, I have spoke about uh, at varying different levels on uh, mainly YouTube, probably. I think I don't think I've really addressed it too much in the podcast that much, other than I think on the Rob episode and that. But yeah, the Rob episode was pretty in-depth. In yeah. If you haven't heard that one, it's a two-part series. <clears throat> you should check yeah, it out. Yeah, I found it... Um, yeah, I found it really difficult. There's no, no doubt about that. I don't make any bones about that. Um, you know, it, when it had sort of been um, my whole life as it was, do you know what I mean? It were, yeah, it were, it were a really difficult thing. Um, but I think the the most important thing is coming out the other side of that, do you know what I mean? Sort of uh, yeah. nine, nine years later as it was for me, it, sort of even in this context, do you know what I mean? Um, obviously, no. It's easier to reflect on a period where and don't get me wrong it's not you know it's not like i was it's not like i suffered over those nine years other than kind of internally do you know what i mean in terms of what i'd lost i was pragmatic enough to think you know when i decided i won't doing it anymore i just had to think well i've got to do something else um do you know what i mean yeah. and i discovered gardening with my mate and you know to be honest i don't know how much of it was gardening that i enjoyed and how much it was spending time with me mate do you know what i mean but the thing for me i think the biggest thing that i lost when uh, the music split up was being part of something 
Do you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, part of something that meant that really means something. Do you know what I mean? And like I say, that that you know that works on any scale because you know me sort of helping Dave out with his gardening round. It, it, you know, you feel part of something that you know there is at least something yeah. to accomplish, and you you know you've got a reason to you know to crack on basically. But yeah, there's no doubt it were hard, mate. No doubt it were hard, and um, it's been you know it's been an absolute joy and revelation in my life to be able to go back to. You know, not just those tunes that I was talking about that I put on YouTube by myself, but going back and listening to our whole back catalogue because, you know, as I say, I didn't even listen to our stuff for um for the over over those years. So I did whatever what I always do really, which is, you know, I have a very uh, well with ADHD I have what's called hyperfocus. So anything that I dis- effectively decide to be interested in, I throw myself into it. So I distracted myself with various things over the years. Um right. but yeah, none none that I, none that ever replaced sort of playing in a band and even you know we've we've only had what three rehearsals i think since all this has happened we've literally only had three rehearsals but what buzz it is um playing with lads again do you know what i mean I, you know that's the yeah that that's the main thing that um that was immediately struck me and and the 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 fact that it felt like we'd never been away do you know what i mean even though you're like well, it's nine years man but yeah so yeah i think to answer your question um i dealt with it in the only way I could, I think, really. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a very difficult thing to contextualise for people. and It's not something I like to... Um, I don't know, because, I've, you know, people suffer genuine, genuine hardship in the world and, you know, your band ending. And it's not like I've been living in a ditch for 10 years. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So I don't like... I, you know, there's a, there's a line to walk in terms of how you reflect on it. But, yeah, there's no doubt it's uh, strengthened my character beyond measure. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd say. And even just doing doing the job that I've done for the past six or seven years, you know, gardening and stuff has strengthened my character beyond measure. You know, something I'm grateful for, yeah. There's a there's a real funny uh, clip. If you listen to the Rob episode, <laughs> there's a part where, you know, the, the short version is, is, you know, he's gone for nine years. The music's gone for nine years. All of a sudden, Tim Burr just does this listening party, you know, Adam has to figure out what Twitter is um, to get on. So he, he comes, he lifts his head from the world of gardening to, you know, remember that he did play the guitar. And uh, he started listening to some of his old songs. And he watched a video on, on YouTube of uh, disco yeah. back in the day when they were uh, playing in, uh, in Australia. And uh, he was, he said to Rob, he goes, I was listening to that. And I was like, we're, I'm a pretty good guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> And Rob started laughing. He goes, yeah, to be fair, you're pretty good. <laughs> it was like, how did, you know, it was just funny that, you know, you could go that long and have all that talent. And then all of a sudden he picks up the, the hammer again and it's like he never stopped. Yeah, I mean. It- I was just going to say, because when you start so young yeah. and then you hit the hikes, like you're on the Letterman show, you're playing in front of thousands of people. It, it's like the footballers that retire yeah. that are looking for the, you know, the highs again, because it's like you've had some amazing highs and you know i think it is hard to uh sort of especially when you're young i think it's different when, like when we're a bit we're a bit older now so yeah if we do a big gig now we'll we'll have a great time we'll love it mm-hmm. and then we sort of probably sort of accept it for what it is rather than keep chasing that if you know what i mean i think when you're young you kind of do yeah so I, maybe I, take things for granted no i i wholeheartedly agree mate wholeheartedly agree um yeah, I, I can't speak for all of us, obviously, but there's no doubt I took I took a lot for granted. Um, you know, it just seemed like that's what happened. You know, we we didn't really have to work hard at any of it, other than the touring side of it. But in terms of creating the stuff, never felt like hard work. And yeah, because we were so young, we never really. I don't think we. Well, certainly I didn't. Again, uh, didn't really mature properly 
you know in that environment you know it's very difficult i think to to mature even socially um well not just socially but in terms of understanding yourself understanding your own behavior when you're in that sort of uh, a, a protected bubble like that and especially one that's got a bit of momentum and there are quite interesting cases of this across music and other things but you know in terms of where behavior is allowed to spiral because it serves a purpose as publicity or anyway blah 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 so you know basically when you do all that stuff that young you just get used to it and yeah you take it for granted and you know our managers were always very keen to drill the message home that look you know you need to enjoy every second when you're doing stuff like this because it don't last forever and you're just like oh yeah piss off do you know what i mean when you're 18 you just think well (laughs) well honestly you were just like mate i can't turn a corner without someone telling me how amazing i am do you know what i mean this is going to be fine and then you the, the sobering moment is when i think when you actually understand the reality of all that um that's a really fucking sobering moment and especially when you actually sort of really understand how record companies work and how the people who uh, work at them, how they operate as well. And to effectively be, you, you can, you can certain characters anyway, can very easily be crushed, victimized, not victimized. That's probably the wrong word, but uh, there can be huge collateral damage. Do you know what I mean? In terms of how that industry works. I'm sure it's the same with football at a young age as well. Um, but and they also the and it's a very interesting issue that I'm going to be addressing a lot more in the future episodes. But there's obviously an element of of, of even safeguarding. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you know when you when you're mm. dealing with when you're dealing with bands that are that young. I mean you know we were over eighteen, so you know. Um, but still, I mean safeguarding in terms of um, looking out for you know everyone's best interests and making sure that you know everyone's head screwed on properly do you know what i mean something that i think everyone needs is grounding and don't get me wrong we had a lot of grounding from friends family and our management um, but there's, there's nothing i'm telling you what there's nothing you can do right to stop that ball rolling in your own mind there's nothing anyone can do no matter how much someone sits in front of you and goes look do you know, like you say, you can't take it for granted, blah, blah, blah. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, you, you, I mean, you get to that stage. Don't get me wrong, none of us were ever arrogant, but like Rob said himself on his episode, you know, you do get to a point where you can um, suffer from believing your own hype. So, yeah, I guess to sort of, you know, keep on the point we were on, yeah, the fact for that then all to just come to an end, really, you know, sort of in the way it did, were difficult, really, but it's... You know, like our first album did well and, you know, there's no, we had a downward trajectory after that. You know, you can look at it however you want in terms of market shrinkage and all that sort of stuff and take that into account. But there's no doubt it it started to come down after the peak of that first album, even though we made two great records afterwards. But anyway, yeah, um, it it was difficult because, I mean, what how old were I? 27 when it ended, I think, 27 when we split up. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're left with that daunting thing of, all right, well, what the hell am I going to do? Do you know what I mean? And especially if you've got a character like mine where you're, you know, even in the, even in that environment, you suffer from, you know, a massive, lo- massive lacking in self-confidence. I mean, that's the, that's the ironic thing here is, mate. You know, you were my age and while my tunes were blasting out around clubs and stuff that you were in, I were sat somewhere, do you know what I mean? Like locked away from all that. You know, I'd, I never really got involved in any of that sort of scene. And do you know what I mean? I have regrets in that sense, but, you know, I suppose you can't, you can't sort of second guess your character, I think, you know, I, fa- I found it difficult, you know, I, won't, I, won't, I was going to say fame, then I won't label it as fame, but even that level of success that we had, 
I, I think I found it difficult. I think there's no, you know, there's no secret. Rob found it difficult, and I know the other lads did too. Um, we had good people around us, no doubt. But yes, sorry, I know I'm talking a long time here, but yeah. Where uh, a lot of stuff happened to us at a young age when I don't know, I suppose the natural trajectory for things like that would, you know, would be to keep going. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, great bands that start young usually you're expecting to have a, a really lengthy career, but I, I think you're exactly right in a sense that if I were to go through all that again now, it would be very different in terms of never taking it for granted and stuff, but I mean, you know. I, as much as I say all this stuff, I do have to take into account the fact that I had an undiagnosed mental, undiagnosed and untreated mental illness. Do you know what I mean? ADHD and bipolar or whatever. And all, all the pressures that in, went were involved with what happened, happened to me without any, um, you know, fucking coping mechanism Treatment. effectively <laughs> other than fucking getting stoned. Do you know what I mean? That was my coping <laughs> mechanism. So yes, mate, to allow you to have another word on this podcast, yes, it was difficult. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting, mate. Because... Uh, I always wondered how kind of, you know, you, you, you hit this. I mean, I know that they the tried to make you crack America, didn't they? I mean, you're on like mainstream American TV and, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And, yeah. and I think there is a lot of pressure. I mean, I know, bearing in mind, like, in terms of size, our band is minuscule compared to the music. And I feel a little bit of pressure writing songs, thinking, oh, some people are going to hear this now. Mm. So I better make it good. Do you know what I mean? So when you're actually doing it for a living like you guys were, I bet there was a lot of pressure doing that as well. Oh, ton, uh, tons of pressure, yeah. I mean, there wasn't on the first album, obviously. And, um, you know, that age-old thing of the first album, you've got your entire youth to write, or the majority of it anyway, and then the rest of your albums, you've got very little time to write them. Um, so, yeah, um, there's no doubt that there's a huge element of pressure affecting songwriting. Do you know what I mean? It, not so much on your first album and, and, you know, when it's all new, but that second album. And you see, the thing with the second album as well is it, your, your fans are all new on first album, but obviously then, you know, you've got to think about pleasing them, I suppose. It's a very difficult trap to fall into because... You know, unless you're doing things uh, in a really, really clever way, like uh, Nick Hodgson were talking about, do you know what I mean? So in terms of pinpointing the market and then writing specifically for it. Do you know what I mean? Unless, yeah. you're, ta unless you're talking about that, um, we always just tried to be true to ourselves, really. And I think there's something that's worth addressing as well, um, and I'll address it more in other episodes. But I think I, the, the, I have made a point and I've probably not given it enough context, but I have made a point about um, how the American label took over the, you know, the sort of um, the whole project of the second album, which they did, right. which they did. But, you know, there is no doubt that we had spent a long time on the road in America um, with American bands, um, you know, like Jane's Addiction and stuff like that and Queens of the Stone Age. We were touring with those guys. So, um you know, there's no doubt, you know, so songs like uh, One Way In, No Way Out, you know, well, you know, the majority of the songs we, we were coming up with before, you know, Brendan O'Brien or or the American label got anywhere near it. So I just think, I, I just think it's worth uh, just addressing as a side point, really, the fact that we had spent a lot of time in America and we had sort of taken on a lot of that sound anyway. So um, yeah. when we were writing those songs, we just, we, we just always tried to do whatever we've done in terms of just going to room, make a load of noise. And, you know, after a few minutes, something decent comes out, you know, we never, yeah. we never really sat down and decided how we were going to write stuff, but yeah, pressure and thinking about pleasing different people is just the root of either something really diluted or something really misguided. Do you know what I mean? In terms, well, not misguided, but 
I don't know. I think when you listen to a great <laughs> record or a great band, you can feel when someone is real and cohesive. Do you know what I mean? And all pulling in the same yeah. direction. And um, but yeah, pressure, pressure, no doubt. But if you, if pressure is what produced "Welcome to the North," <laughs> "Freedom Fighters," <laughs> you know, all these other songs bleed. You know, all the open your mind. Um, mm-hmm. All these Freedom Fighters songs. love that rift. Right? Unreal. There's so many great songs, and I, I've told you this before, Adam. But if you felt pressure, well, then maybe you should feel pressure more often, because <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it depends how you define pressure, doesn't it? Really? I mean, we were we were learning to deal with the pressures of living how we were living, which is stressful for anyone. I don't care what you say. Sort of that living out of a suitcase. Um, that sort yeah. that sort of existence really really takes its toll on you. So I th- I think that probably the more the the easier thing to say will be you know the time we spent touring that first record it tired us out in a way that I don't think we ever really got the appropriate time to recover from. But you know as anyone will tell you you know when you when you're hot so to speak and people are trying to book you you know you got you got to go. Do you know what I mean? Like well yeah man yeah, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. Welcome to the North still a great fucking record man. Oh yeah. And so was the third one. We could dive into that, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but I have a question for you, Turnbull. Um, you, you guys have got quite a catalog going now, and I know it's been accumulating over the years. But now that YRA has started to you know catch attention, and you guys, uh, I know you're doing some stuff in the studio. Is there a is there another album coming out, or you guys? Because I know you've only released like EPs, if I if I'm correct. Everything I've seen, yeah. I may be wrong. That's cool. But everything that. I've seen is like a single. That's cool. I really like the sort of you know EPs, releasing EPs. I think I think it's really cool. Yeah. Cheers. It's kind of just happened because uh, it was just me chucking things out just randomly. There was no organisation whatsoever. I was just getting a picture at Singer and just sticking a background on it and just putting it out. So it was all very amateur. Really? Well, is that, is, that, is that how you've been approaching everything? Because, I mean, even down to your videos, do you know what I mean? Your videos look quite well done, man. Do you know what I mean? Are you doing those? Or yeah. is it, are there other people involved? Yeah, uh, I've had a couple of people involved. Uh, my friend Tash did the Darkness Falls video. Right. She, she did it. She did it for free, God bless her. Because she just said she liked the song, so she'd love to do it. Well, that's and cool, man. That's she, what this industry I mean, is about, yeah. Yeah, which is really kind of I tried to sort her out few bits and bobs we had a student i contacted a universities actually it's a good, email it's a good thing to, mm. it's a good thing to do really good thing to do because like you say you know people who are coming up in their trade as well do you know what i mean like it's just a it's an opportunity to shine do you know before you've made a name for yourself and you can command um you know big fees and stuff like that you offer you offer to do stuff for people that's how you get your stuff out there do you know what i mean mm, so i contacted a university and uh, a lad called connor says, oh, I'm, I'm studying it so I can get all the gear from the university, the YRA video. So then I spoke to the manager at Fibbers in York and he said, yeah, come in and film it. So he had all the strobe lights and, and different camera angles and nice. it turned out all right. You know, just it's just a visual, in it? I think that's really important for us. Oh, yeah, especially, yeah, yeah. especially with the amount of songs that come out now. I mean, there's, how many bands is there? There's so many bands. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We need, and that costs us 100 quid to get that YRA wow. video. So, That's funny. I think our, our first long road video, the black and white one, I think that were 100 quid. And I think that was taken into account the train fares of the lads who came up. So, <laughs> you know I mean? um, yeah, no, I think that's really cool, man. <laughs> and then the second video, I got my mate Adam, who helped film the YRA one, to do that one. And that was 150 quid. And so we're just kind of just doing it on the cheap, really. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And so there's not a lot of money coming in. And then I got contacted by a record label from Australia, which I was right. quite surprised about. We just said, can, can I have a Zoom meeting with you? 
So anyway, I did the Zoom meeting and he says, oh, you know, I really like your stuff. We're based in Australia. We've got a couple of bands. Can't remember who they were, but they were big American bands. Oh. And we'd be interested in signing you. And I was like, oh, you know, straight away, I'm thinking, oh, this doesn't sound right for us. We're only having a laugh. Do you know what I mean? We're only having a bit of fun. Mm. So I contacted uh, a record label called 42's Records. I just rang them up. I was like, here, lads, what is the deal? with this record label, with a record label. I says, because we've been offered a deal and I don't know anything about it. How does it work? Mm. And he's like, right, basically we would pay for the vinyls, pay for the CDs, we'd do all the artwork, we'd make sure they're all mastered properly because none of our songs were mastered. Right. They were literally just straight out of the studio. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, that's interesting. So then uh, we come to a, a deal with them, just a, you know, just a little deal, a couple of lads in Manchester. And then... They came back with this artwork for our song Enemy. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing artwork. Oh, yeah. An artist called Paul. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they got they got it mastered so, so it sounded better. Yeah. And then we, we released it on uh, CD only, this one, because I said they wanted to see how we get on. Yeah. And we did we did it. Look, more CDs than we expected. Mm-hmm. And then it got to number two in the physical charts. The, the basically the vinyl CDs, physical. Obviously, you're not going to be competing with Justin Bieber and all them in the actual streaming charts. <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. were buzzing because we we got we got a number two. It was only that Fontaine's DC that knocked us off the top. So <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna have a word with them when I see them. So yeah. <laughs> and luckily, I'd sent the songs to Josh Warrington, the boxer from Leeds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he and he messaged he messaged me back. This was a big surprise. Saying, hey, I've, uh, I've listened to your music and I really, really like it. I was like, really? <laughs> wow. That's some reaction, what? <laughs> you shouldn't be like that about your own tune. <laughs> well, I don't know, mate. I don't know. The thing with me, I'm, I'm sort of optimistic as a person, but when I do something, I'm a little bit pessimistic. And then if something happens, you know, I'm happy about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I, it's, it's interesting, man, because... I don't know. I think so much in this flows through, like, do you know what I mean? The person who drives it, and like, you know, as as Nick Hodgson was saying himself, really, do you know what I mean? That sort of that that belief you have in your own stuff, and as the belief that we had in our own stuff, and you know, I think yeah. that was the a day when we, you know, felt less great about being in the band when we were sort of looking at stuff through different eyes. Do you know what I mean? And you know, questioning it or whatever, but I don't know. So, I mean, it comes on to an interesting point of how, you know, how you felt when you sort of turned your back on it all, or was it sort of a case that you'd never sort of made it enough back then for it to have had much of an impact? Do you know what I mean? Well, in my first band, we'd done a couple of decent gigs with the Kaiser Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Mark Owen and stuff like that. So then this time around, basically, it was all me. I mean, the lads, the fantastic lads, they're brilliant lads, but I was managing, I was running it, I was just doing everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the drummer called in sick for a gig, which caused me a load of grief from the promoter. Give me a load of grief. And then the singer, what me, like one of my best mates, love him. He's got all these wonderful ideas. These wonderful, wonderful ideas. And he always rings me and tells me about them. I'm like, listen, mate, A, they cost money. Mm. that we don't have and B if you want to do something then do it yourself mm. I says I'm not prepared to email here there everywhere and do all that if you want to do it do it and then it got to the stage where I was just like you know it's not worth it it's not worth the time right, you know because yeah. we weren't selling out the venues and, and it was kind of on a bit of a downward spiral really but then again when I came back rejuvenated full of beans 
And when I started share, like say I was sharing the songs out, and I, I I couldn't believe the reaction I was getting. I was yeah. I was genuinely shocked. And people saying this is this is brilliant. Like being really kind about our music. And then like I say, when sort of meeting Josh was quite a turning point, really, because he said I really really love love well. He said I really like the song Enemies. Yeah, me it's too. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and I then sent him a T-shirt. Uh, and then he he stood on his Instagram holding this T-shirt. All oh, right, nice one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got he's got hundreds of thousands of supporters. Yeah. And everyone's looking at that saying, who are this band? You know, if Josh likes them, they must be good. Mm. And then, obviously, we had Legion Act using our stuff. We had uh, the least Blake Tano Baradi posting about us, which was lovely. And then uh, Fenners from Soccer AM, who had used our songs before on some video montages, messaged me saying, we've got Josh Warren as a guest. Would you, would you like to play live? And we're like, play live on telly? Is this a wind-up? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I'm an electrician, mate. I'm not a guitar player. And so I rang the lads up and we we're like, well, you know, this is this is just beyond any any type of dream we ever thought we we're going to do. I remember mm. when we started back in 2018 after having all them years off, the singer says to me, says, turn, all I want to do is sell out a small venue in Leeds. It could be 50 people. It could be 100 people. And mm. I just said to him, I says, Rob, get that idea out of your head because it's not going to happen. So mm. just let's just concentrate on getting this next gig and lo and behold next thing we know we're, we're hiring a van and we're driving out of london to play live on the tv yeah man <laughs> yeah yeah so how, how did that go how did that go well one of the best weekends of my life no doubt at all right. i was panicking all week because yeah. we only found out a week before do you know what tv is like it's all a bit last minute you'll know all about this time yeah 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 and i was like right okay this this is brilliant let's play this can be fantastic and then he's like uh, right okay you need a sound man and you need a sound desk. It's like, uh, <laughs> stay again. He's like, you need a sound, man. You need a sound. I'm like, well, what's the sound desk? You know? And then yeah. it's like, we hire the equipment, so you have to pay for the equipment. I was like, who the heck are we going to get in a week's notice to do yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, I am in a world of panic here. Yeah. But God, you know, fair play to it, lads. I ring the lads up and says, lads, first of all, we need a van. And, and our bass player, Johnny, went sort sorted that out straight away. I then tried to get hold of my mate from London, Johnny G, the guy that's quite hard to get hold of. Could not get hold of him. Couldn't get hold of him. Not not a chance. I'm ringing and ringing and ringing. I was like a stalker. If he, if he lived any closer, I'd been kicking his door down. So I was like, oh, who are we going to get? And then we'd, we'd played a gig at the wardrobe in Leeds. And I'd spoke to their sound man, Dave, who, who was a nice enough chap. And he always yeah. got a decent sound. So I rang him. Bear in mind, this is in seven days' time. I'm like, Dave, we need you. He's like, what? I says, we're playing live on soccer game. We need a desk and we need a sound man. And he's like, mate, I'm busy. I says, well, what are you busy with? He says, I've got these two gigs. So I was like, how much are they paying you? And they're like, this. I says, listen, we'll, we'll double it. Oh, okay. He didn't take it. And he said, listen, don't worry. I'll get the desk because he had a spare desk at the wardrobe. You can use the desk. And I'll come down. I was like, oh, thank God for that. So that, so then it was on nights that week at work. And I said to my gaffer, I'm like, here, gaffer, is there any chance I can get Thursday, Friday off? And he's like, oh, turn, it's a bit late. I can't get in the cover. I'm like, please. And he says, what's it for? I says, we're playing the soccer game. He says, oh, bloody hell, yeah, of course you can. No worries at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was sound. So it was like, right, sorted. And then, and then the bombshell struck when the message saying, right, you've got to be at the studio at Apple State on Friday morning. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, until Saturday, and they were like, "Well, you've got to get down Friday morning." So, uh, oh man, so just a world of stress. Then we set off at four o'clock in the morning on Friday, and it, it all seemed to settle down a little bit. Then, so we're on the way down. We pick Dave up on the way. We get the sound desk in. We get all the gear in, and we go down on the Friday. We get there by half nine. They were like, "We're going to start sound checking half an hour." So we yeah. just got a load of footballs and went on the pitch, and we're just kicking the balls in the in the holes that you see on telly and. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. All the stress, all the stress of the week just disappeared. It was like, wow, this is brilliant. Nice. So then we did the sound check, and none of none of the other lads were there, none of the presenters or anything were there. And they were like, Oh yeah, they're not going to be here till later. So we're like, okay. So we went went back to the hotel and then my phone rang with a number I didn't know. So I picked it up and he was like, uh, uh oh, I was gonna do a attempt at an accent then, but a war. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate him. <laughs> I was I was gonna do it, but then I thought I better not because someone <laughs> might uh, film it on yeah. here. And, uh, <laughs> it but anyway, this voice on phone, he's like, uh, "Where the fuck are you?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, where the fuck are you?" I says, "Who is it?" He says, "Jimmy Bullard." I'm like, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> he says, "I thought you'd be fucking here to see me." I says, "Jimmy, we're on the way back now." And he's like, "Oh no, no, I was only joking." So I was like, "Nah, Jimmy, we're coming back. We're, we're gonna enjoy this moment because it might be the only time we we do something like this." Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna milk it. So <laughs> then we got the taxi back to the studio, and they were rehearsing. And they uh, they had lines for the guests tomorrow, like they had uh, Alex Bruce and and yeah. Josh and a couple of other people. So I was like, well, I tell you what, give me give me their lines, and I'll read them out. So I was joining in rehearsals and reading the lines out, and just right. having the time of my life, really. Yeah, and then yeah. Fenner said, well, do you want to join in on Soccer Saturday? So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So then he gave me the lines and. I was rehearsing them all night. <laughs> Nothing to just do it <laughs> off the cuff, but and then <laughs> it's not very rock and roll this, but we, we got back to the pub and it was about half eight. And I'm like, right, lads, uh, I'm going back to the hotel. They're like, what do you mean? I says, I'm going back to the hotel. So I'm shattered. I've been up since like half three in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go to bed. So I went and went to bed. Anyway, the other lads stayed out till three in the bloody morning, drinking oh wine all night and just getting levered. <laughs> That must have been really. Uh, that must have been really cool. I mean, is that that'll have to be on YouTube? That I'll have to. I'll have to look at that on YouTube. If, um, but yeah, I mean, first time we never played soccer. Am I think Rob and Phil went on and did a little guest, uh, like you know, on the sofa. But I, we never played yeah. that. I mean, I'm trying to remember our very very first TV. Um, but I think it might it might have even been first top of the pops, and you know, like in our. Nice one. I, I think it were were it Truth or oh, Long Road. I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, we yeah, it were our first. We did top at pops, yeah, and it was same thing. Get down there, but I mean, it, like the fundamental difference with us was, you know, by that point we had like crew. Do you know what I mean? We had like a tour yeah. manager, and you know, so we we you know never had to worry about like any any logistics. We worried about no logistics. Um, but yeah, we same deal. Obviously, you got to get down there and sound check, and um, you know, there's Dave Grohl and blazing squad were also wow. <laughs> yeah you got people like dave Grohl, then you got blazing squad who else were there that day um i can't remember <laughs> but yeah we got we got into a little bit of trouble anyway because uh true to form with us especially at that stage anyway you know we were all sort of skinning up constantly so we were in the the the, the, the bowels of the bbc <laughs> building effectively effectively bbc studios now just you know they kept they came down in end and they literally knocked on door and they were just like, for God's sake, will you stop smoking cannabis? You are stinking out this entire <laughs> building. And we were just like, oh yeah, sorry, love, sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, we just fucking carried on. I mean, that were our deal in them days. We didn't, we didn't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, pre-smoking yeah. ban, we fucking didn't give a shit. Because, to be honest, most places didn't give a shit. I think that was the first place we ever had anyone sort of knock on door, man. But, yeah, for TV, <laughs> TV can be a lot of fun. And that's something else, like you say. I mean, we've been on Letterman and which other? We did Carson Daly. We did um, wow. Letterman. And we've done more. We've done more. We did Conan O'Brien as well. Um, I don't think we did Leno. I don't think we did Jay Leno. But yeah, um, always a really fun experience. And I've got a funny one, actually. Do you remember, oh, that, uh, is it Zach from Saved by the Bell? I can't remember the lad's name yeah. anyway. But for some reason, we, we'd heard that he died um, a long time ago. And anyway, there we are on Carson Daly or whatever it is. And he's actually on the guest panel. And honestly, oh, like, no. fucking four lads from Kipax. And we're like, all right, mate, we, we thought you were dead. <laughs> and the bloke's like, uh, no. And then um, at one of them as well, at one of them, uh, Kiefer Sutherland nearly stepped on all my pedals and stuff like that because it was a bit at the end of the show where everyone sort of got on the stage and he came and sort of stood next to me but nearly st- stepped on my FX pedal. You know, a bit like, hey, watch it, Kiefer. Fuck yeah, I've seen 24. Fuck you up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can have, a, you know, like you say, um, you look back on on some really amazing moments that I think at the time, I think in a time you do take them for granted, but I think, I don't know. I think you probably have more fun that way. Taking them for granted. I don't, I don't know. It was just, a, it's, it's good to be able to look back anyway with, with fondness. And um, yeah. Well, being young is brilliant, isn't it? Being young is the best because you don't care about anything. Yeah. And yeah, it's exactly. just brilliant. You'll just do it anyway, yeah. no matter what anyone says. Yeah. You're it's the greatest time. So how are you guys adapting with COVID? I know I know you guys are touring all summer. I saw that on your website, Skylights, uh, skylightsyra.co.uk. Have you been out at all? I know COVID's kind of put a damper on things. No, we've, uh, we've recorded some songs. So we've done a little bit like that. But realistically... I haven't really thought much about it because mm. I've got a couple of kids at home and my wife and uh, I'm still working. So oh. it's actually been quite nice to uh, chill out with the family, to be honest. I haven't really thought about gigging too much. I have one complaint, though, because uh, I'm coming from the States and I'm going to be at the show in Temple Newsom. And I had not planned on watching any of the open acts because I didn't know them. <laughs> Uh, and but then when I saw the names, I was like, "Well, I got to research. I got to see what they're about." And now I like your stuff, so now I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you guys play. So these guys, I these guys don't have time to get, go Pete, late, but no, no such luck. Pete, these these, these guys are on the bill, Pete. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, no, we're not when on I the saw bill. that, I started researching them, and because you guys oh, are, yeah, yeah oh, you yes. guys are on the Temple Newsom bill. So uh, no, we're not on that one. They're not on the yeah, Temple. They're not on the Temple Newsom. They're not. They're not Pete. I promise you, Pete, that like I'm here, turns here, we're both telling you they're not on that. I think he'd know. I think I know. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, never mind. It's no can problem. I, can, I just, can I tell you a little story about that? Go on then, yeah. Well, it's not about that, but it's it's something very similar. So we got invited by the BBC Radio Leeds guys to just do a couple of tracks because they were, they were doing like a Christmas party. And as always, it was like, oh, you know, if we get a bit of money uh, next year, we'll pay you then. But can you do it for now this year? Like, yeah, absolutely no, no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. We, we were just buzzing to be there. And I saw Ryan from the Pigeon Detectives. And uh, I'd kind of met him before, so I sort of knew him. I was like, hey, Ryan, it's his turn. Absolutely buzzing for you. I says, what do you mean? He says, congratulations on the gig. I'm like, what gig's that? He's like, you're supporting Shed 7. I says, uh, mm, no, no, not us, mate. He says, <laughs> I am fucking sure it's you, Ted. I says, well, it's definitely not. <laughs> definitely not us. And he's like, oh, well, 
I'm sure it was. Anyway, and that was that. And I thought, I'm not even going to mention it to lads because obviously he's made a mistake. Right. And uh, Future Sounds, uh, a great, great company in Leeds. And, and I know the promoters really well. I'm always hassling them. You know, I don't I don't leave the poor lads alone. <laughs> so I knew I knew that if anything would come of it, it'd come up. And like I said, forgot all about it. Then two weeks later, I'm walking into my son's school play. Mm. And the phone and the phone texted, and it's my mate Toby from Future Sound. It's his turn. I've got a gig for you, but I'm going to keep you hanging for a, a good few days. <laughs> I says, uh, we're supporting Shed 7 in Halifax. <laughs> and he says, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> I said, well, two weeks ago, I bumped into Ryan from Pigeon Detectives and he told me. Oh, man. Cut out the bag or and, what, but yeah, man. I, I messaged Ryan and he said, how can you book a gig? For a date when you hadn't even asked the band if they could do it or not. I says, to be fair, Ryan, I think you all know and everyone knows that even if it was my wedding day, you'd have done it. That would get cancelled to support Shed Seven. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, it's, well, I, I apologise. No, I, it's, I actually, it's all right, Pete. It's, it's the, it's the, yeah. It, well, to be fair, Pete, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, the, 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 these guys are really active on stuff. Well, I, you know, I presume it's all you, Turnbull, but um, yeah, you know, you're really active on Twitter and stuff like that, aren't you? And you've got a really active fan base um, who are really sort of engaged with what you're doing as well. Do you know what I mean? That's, I think that in this day and age, I think that's really powerful. Do you know what I mean? Having that sort of that connection on social media. I mean, I never bloody realised how. Uh, well, well, they'd say it's important or whatever, but. It, you know, I think it's it's so different nowadays to how it was in terms of how you break yourself, so to speak, as as artist or as a band yeah. or whatever. Um, do you know what I mean? Because there's so much more uh, opportunity to get yourself out there without relying necessarily on you know other people marketing and stuff like that. And you know, I've kind of been doing that myself with my own socials, but just you know 100% through just enthusiasm really do you know what I mean I've just been sort of sharing stuff with people out of um well as I say out of sort of uh enthusiasm for you know reconnecting with all my old memories I guess and I think the power is with the bands now I mean it's all good I mean 20 years ago you'd need a major label or someone backing you with big money yeah whereas now you can just get four idiots like us who can just tweet anyone? Do you know what I mean? And it is possible to do. And sort of, even though the BBC totally ignore us, which is fine because, yeah, we sound like an old sort of maybe 90s, early thousands band. So they totally ignore us, which is which is fine. I got a problem with. And so we'd have been stuffed. But now we've got the social media and it's yeah. easy to contact people. People are like, well, hang on. Like it might it. sound yeah. not current, but we like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll go yeah, see exactly. it. And plus... With my personality, I, I like meeting people and chatting to people, and I, I'm a social guy. Yeah. And I'm interested in, in what they're doing and what they're into, mm-hmm. and then they're interested in what we're doing. So it's a sort of it's a both ways type of thing with our social medias. Yeah. And uh, people engage with that because people want to know you now. Do you know, like probably when you guys started, it was very much you heard the song and you bought it, and you didn't have a clue about them. Yeah. Whereas now you can follow them on social and see what they're doing every day mm-hmm. and, and see, see what they're up to and, and things like that. And, and it's just kind of nice to do. Do you know, it's nice that people want to listen to us and, and we're just really happy about it. Well, yeah, man. I mean, you know, that's the best thing. And I mean, and we had we had the, we had had a very similar thing, you know, where um, I think it was difficult to get radio play at certain points. I mean, on the first record, you know, when we were flying, fair enough. But yeah, when you, you know, when you sound different or whatever, I think, you know, you people are a bit more reluctant to 
put their head above the parapet, so to speak, and sort of play records. Do you know what I mean? I don't know, but, you know, we had that incident with Radio 1 where they, they won't play a single and, you know, we had to change what single it was going to be just because bloody Radio 1 wasn't going to play it. There's, you know, there's so much there's so much goes on that people don't really know about, you know, even sort of shitty political things like that. But, you know, that, that, happens, yeah. at, that happens at every level, you know, like when you're sort of on the lower levels, it's to promote, of, like you say, sort of instructing that you bring every man and his dog to your gig on all your neighbours and stuff like that and you know everyone's after the pound of flesh eventually um there's no you know there's no doubt it's the you know the deeper parts of the industry it's not it's not fun it's not fun and there's, there's nothing glamorous about it so if you it almost feels to me like it's sort of beneficial really to to do it in the way that you're doing do you know what i mean rather than sort of I don't know, being sort of all in, do you know what I mean? Like you say, I'm, I mean, I'm presuming you're all still working jobs and stuff like that and you've all got families, do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's almost like you can you can enjoy it for what it is, I suppose, like like you said originally. Do you know what I mean? It's very easy to get carried away with yourself when you get any level of success, I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very easy. And I think that's what, that's what kind of, that's kind of strange to see because <laughs> I see bands that sort of aren't doing quite as well as us. And they seem to get so carried away with themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, getting like, oh, wow, you know, we're so popular and this and that. It's like, lads, you know, mm. you're as good as your last song. Do you know what I mean? It, it's... It... <laughs> I mean, it's difficult. Like I say, I've never really spent much time. Um, I think it's difficult to know how to say it, really. But obviously, we sort of got big quite fast, so never really spent a, time, a lot of time at, at that level. And I, yeah. I kind of got the, I kind of got the feeling that, well, certainly in the Leeds music scene, anyway, at that time, I think you know we were very much sort of ostracised because. I think there were a lot of, well, obviously it's jealousy in it, you know, primarily, but yeah, I, big time. I think there were a sort of an element of, well, no one's even heard of these lads. Do you know what I mean? Like usually you'd expect, I mean, a little bit like the Kaiser Chiefs. Do you know what I mean? Those lads have been playing as, as Runston Parva and Parva in Leeds for years. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure they'll have probably had a lot more respect. Uh, people will have respected them a lot more than people did us. And, you know, I'm talking specifically about people who were in bands trying to, make it in inverted commas do you know what i yeah. mean it, it's a snide world i think do you know what i mean um filled with a lot of jealousy and stuff i don't know i i always found that strange do you know what i mean because when you do something that's real and you just do it because you're talented or whatever and then someone who can't do it really as well because they're not as real and not as talented comes over and sort of gives you shit for it you just kind of stand there going what what have i done do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, it's something that I suppose everyone, anyone who's good at something eventually gets used to. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not, uh, there's two sides to it. There's either lads like you, do you know what I mean, who are really sound and are just going to go into an environment and talk to other lads in bands and that. And then there's that sort of, that other mentality of like, I don't know, you just get assholes, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Like people, yeah. who, people who believe their own hype. And I don't know, I think there's levels in there. There's levels where you can get away with believing your own hype. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, people like, I don't know, Mick Jagger in his prime, do you know what I mean? In sort of late 60s, mm-hmm. early 70s. The, the man's going to believe his own hype. I'm sure he still does now, but, you know, back then, the, yeah. man, the man's going to believe his own hype. But, yeah, it makes it, I don't know, it just makes it a really not attractive place to be. And I think that's why I specifically never really went out around Leeds, do you know what I mean? In sort into those environments and sort of mix with other sort of bands who were... I don't know, up and coming or whatever. But I think that's the difference, really. Yes. I mean, we we were never an up and coming band, us. 
Do you know what I mean? There, there, there have been lots of up-and-coming bands. Uh, I don't think we were ever one of them. We just fucking fell out of the sky and appeared. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't think we were ever... We were probably up-and-coming for about three months, weren't we? Do you know what I mean? In a time where people heard of us and then we managed to get an EP out. And I don't know. I, just, I think I, I think it's an interesting point, though, and I'm sure it's probably the same in, in every city. Do you know, can you imagine what it's like in Manchester? Do you know what I mean? A town that's much more, you'd argue, renowned for, you know, musically anyway, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? It's not like... Yeah. There's not millions of really successful bands out of Leeds. And again, that's something we addressed on the Nick Hodgson episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, can you imagine yeah. that? I mean, that that must be like magnified even more in places like Manchester and, that, and then London. Do you know what I mean? Can you imagine how sort of competitive the, the lower echelon of, of bands trying to make it in that scene? It, you know, it must be fucking... And I suppose, oh, yeah. I suppose all that, you know, sorry to bring it back to us, but all that goes to really show how, I don't know how unique or how lucky we were or how we were our sound was right place right time who knows but there's no doubt it you know and again like nick hodgson can attest to after the six or seven years they were plugging away before they got anything do you know what i mean i don't know it's a it's a difficult it's you know it's a difficult difficult world to try and make any headway in at all unless you know you've got either a deep-rooted love of it or that, that sort of that pathological need to succeed that Nick Hodgson had which I found incredibly infectious and um had a lot of respect for because it you know that's what came across when I spoke to Nick just you know like almost like a dead-eyed sort of uh, determination I really respected that and like you say with uh like you say you throw yourself into things Adam you know you mentioned earlier and with us being a little bit older and uh, a little bit wiser, mm. you know. I've seen, I've seen plenty of different personalities at work because, because obviously, like you started when you were young. Whereas I've seen, I've seen all these people at work. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them in groups. I kind of know. I've always got taught. There's a there's a guy at work. He said he says you have six seven different personalities, and he sort of went through them all. Mm-hmm. And I can see it now all the time. I can see it with yeah. different things. And you, as difficult as it is, I understand it now. So like, I might get an abusive message maybe on Instagram or someone will give us a bit of stick on Twitter and <laughs> asking her, he gets annoyed. But I'm just like, no one gives you stick if you're not very good. Yeah, if they're not interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one does that. Yeah. Have I ever heard a band that I didn't like and give them stick? No. <laughs> so there's always a reason behind it. Yeah, yeah. And these people are very unhappy people. And I feel a little bit sorry for them because they sit at home and they look at people doing all right. I mean, Christ, if you're that upset, you've got to give us it. You've got some serious issues. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they stay at home thinking, oh, that should be me there. I'm not there because I've been unlucky. Mm. And so they're right visible about it. And it's like, you've not been unlucky. You either haven't worked hard enough, because listen, I don't see us having any talent, but I know for a fact that we've worked our asses off. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I can I can deal with I can deal with it. Right. So if I see someone giving us a bit of an hard time, like I'm just like, ah. I'm not too fussed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's wisdom. That's good. Well, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, guess yeah. that's one of the benefits of coming to a band at your age. You know, like when you're yeah. younger, you're thrown into the machine. You're just a product. They put you through it and they spit you out. Now, like you have the freedom. You, you're an electrician. You know, your lead singer works at the train station. You know, he, yeah. you guys do your thing, but you have the freedom to be creative and make good stuff now. It's the same with Adam. Adam's Adam's yeah. on a writing tear because no, there's no pressure. He can do what he wants. We, and we do it because we love it. Stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it for the love. I mean, I, t- I fucking took it personally, though. Do you know what I mean? A bit like your singer. Like, I've never been one to... It's, it's terrible, man. Like, if there's a million people... Uh, screaming great things and one screams, you know, saying, or even whispering, 
A million people can scream great things and one can just be whispering something negative and I'll just be like, hang on, everyone. What? Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, that's the one that sticks in my head. So, I mean, but to be fair, and I'm probably opening, opening myself up here, but touch wood, uh, you know, I, 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 before this, I'd never really been on social media. Well, I say never really. I'd never been on social media, never sort of interacted with people. And when I stepped into this with the listening party, blah, 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 and everything after that, um, a few people said, oh, you know, you want to be careful on Twitter and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's really toxic <laughs> pool of negativity. It's really toxic. So I were like, oh God, you know, what's going to happen here? Do you know what I mean? What's, <laughs> you know, what, what does that mean? And I have to say, and I couldn't tell you how long I've been on Twitter now. I think it'll be, I think it's like a year in June. Um, but either way, um, I haven't had, oh, I think I've had one. I've had one concert, what I would consider to be like a, a negative trolling message. And that, that's, you know, that's why I'm still buzzing me on a cloud because I just get daily, I just get loads of people saying how cool they think stuff is, man. And how, yeah, uh, you're how, about how, how, and how much they respect <laughs> me as a guitarist. But yeah, the one, and this is a prime example, the one negative comment I had um, was, I think it was on my last riff video I did actually, which actually was a while ago, I need to do some more. But I think it was a riff video for Long Road and, you know, it had like four or 5,000 views or something and loads of great comments and there was just one comment that just said garbage. <laughs> oh, that was me. Oh, what a fuck off. No, but <laughs> to be fair, do you know what I mean? Like, I knew... No, that, Adam, I knew, do you know I, what it was, mate? Go on. They got the band mixed up, didn't they? They obviously thought it was garbage, the band, <laughs> that's what that is. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, if that had happened back in day, there's no doubt I'd have been like, oh, fuck it, give me your address. Do you know, well, not quite that bad, but, I, you know, I, I used to seethe over shit like that. And, um, yeah, but, you know, I read that now and it literally made me laugh. Do you know what I mean? And I went to the bloke's Twitter. I felt I've got to have a look on his Twitter feed. Went to his Twitter feed and just like, all oh, right, okay. I'm not, I'm not even, drop. I'm not even replying to this guy, bless him. Do you know what I mean? It was like a window into something depressing anyway. <laughs> let's put it that way, but. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, it, it's all about believing in yourself as well, isn't it? I think you know, what I mean, and that's the diff. That's the biggest difference with me now is um, you know, I I kind of believe in what I'm doing a lot more now. Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't get me wrong. Yeah. I believed in what we did as a band. Don't get me wrong for a second. Um, obviously, I fucking did. But you know, I've my character back then. The fact I want on medication, blah blah, lots of other things. Do you know what I mean? Meant that it never yeah. quite clicked in the way that it's clicked now, and I, be, I sort of believe in myself a lot more than I ever have done. Do you know what I mean? Um, which again is a, a massively positive thing. Obviously, um, you know, I, you know, it was a the, one of the difficult things about the music ending was sort of thinking, well, you know, was that the peak? Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, I'm fucking 27 here. Like, was that the peak? Yeah. I, I kind of need to know. You know. It Was that the peak? Do you know what I mean? Because it's a fucking long slide down. Do you know what I mean? Like 27. Couldn't you let me peak when I was fucking 40 at least and I wrecked my knees and then I couldn't move anyway. So it won't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like fucking, I don't know. And that's what Gaz, that's what Gaz is like. Every time you interview Gaza, he always says he just wants to relive the, the peak moments that he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And luckily, I ain't had any. So I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking hell. I mean, there's no doubt. It, it, it comes down to that age old. What goes up must come down. Do you know what I mean? And it happens yeah. to, you know, how many how many bands could you have turned around and said, well, they were, the, they were the biggest band in the country at their time. And how many of them are absolutely apocalyptically irrelevant now? Do you know? And I, and I found that interesting as well when Nick were talking, Nick Hodgson, and I'll keep referencing that one, but I did find it really interesting. Um, he was making a similar point, basically, anyway about uh, that sort of desire to stay relevant and how everything that gains that much power and momentum does have a shelf life um 
I don't, I don't know. I thought that were quite interesting, really. And um, yeah, I could yeah. be I could be wrong, but for, uh, being from the states, I used to always use that. Looking at all these different bands from the UK, that was sort of my barometer. It's like you know, if they made it in the states, not that the states is any significant thing, but it just if a band is so good that it expands beyond its continent, and I'm hearing about it in North Carolina, yeah, there must be something to this band, and that's always been it's, nice. It, it's the money though, isn't it, in America? With oh, the yeah. money in America, you can kind of keep going. Yeah, exactly. You're right, turn, and that's exactly what happened with um with our second record and people thinking this could make it in America. There's no doubt there were lots of little decisions that we made with a view to gaining momentum in America because that's what people around us were saying. And, you know, like you say, turn, you know, end of day, it's like, look, you know, if you, if you crack America, it's kind of a license to, to go where you want with your own career. Do you know what I mean? In terms of longevity, it gives you those lots of sorts of things. But then, you look at like a band like you two, who I think took five or six years to to break America, touring relentlessly over there. I think you two probably will be the barometer in terms of what it actually, what lengths you can go to 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 get to that that ridiculous level of success in America. So to I mean to just to reference what you say, Pete, it certainly is a barometer where we're from. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh they made, made a, you know they broke America so to speak. It's uh it will it would be considered a big deal in terms of being in a band and breaking America, no doubt at all. Well, simply because of the size of the fucking market. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, if you yeah. if you're on radios from coast to coast in America and you know we did we did a year of not a year solid, but when we were really pushing over there, which was actually over a few years, you know, we do these, um, we do these what effectively were PR trips where we would get on a plane and fly three hours to somewhere, jump off this plane, go do some radio interview or summer or a live on a radio. Then we'd go straight back to the airport, get on another plane, go another two hours, or maybe it was just 45 minutes. But you, then you go to that one, you do another one, and then you do that throughout the day. Sometimes it'd be car journeys, not planes, until you finally get to your fucking hotel at three in the morning. <laughs> and they're like, right, you need to be up at five. And you're like, I'm not exaggerating here either. And you're like, yeah, that's in two hours. And like, you know, right, fucking going to bed, then fuck it. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, I mean, they're they're the sort of moments that broke me. That, uh, you know, yeah. speaking, speak, don't burn anyone out. Though. Yeah, speaking really sort of, um, you know, totally candidly. That they're, they're the moments where I just thought, fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? Like, but that's the point is that if you if you're chasing that level of success, you've got to have the endurance for shit like that. And um, you know that them sort of trips were really hard. At least when you're out there playing, man, you get to play and you get to sort of effectively break yourself you know never sleeping and abusing your body but it's kind of all in the name of playing you know when you're doing fucking radio plugging trips you, you know it's just fucking hell it's soulless do you know what i mean it, it's really soulless yeah. but yeah you know i never want to come across as even remotely complaining about the opportunities i had do you know what i mean especially in the presence of someone that might not have had the same ones and would probably fucking kill to have them do you know what i mean so you i think you've always got to be careful how you reflect on things like that although every everything is proportional in it do you know what i mean in terms of people's own experiences well i've learned myself that even working and like i got stuck on doing loads of nights at work for continuous weeks and it, it broke me mate yeah. You know, yeah. not not getting the solid sleep, no matter what you're doing. If if you're not looking after oh, yeah. yourself, yeah, then it's it's gonna break you. And and uh, that's the thing that we don't want to do. We don't want to go too far that it's not fun. 
Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and you guys are in the studio right now. So are, are you do, are you coming out with a new song? Or are you guys working currently? Oh, we don't spend long in studio, mate. We get it done in a day or two. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, we've got two new songs. Uh, we've had uh, we've had a lot of support from people in Aberdeen. Believe it or not. Right, right. So we we've got them in mind doing one of them. And uh, the other one is an old song that I wrote before the band started. Hmm. And I've always liked it. I sent it to my mate, the, the guy that was from for us at the time, and he messaged me back saying, turn, you know, I really love this song. It's amazing. And I didn't, I didn't thought much of it. And we had to do uh, a live session for Radio X. And uh, I was like, what the hell are we going to do? So I was like, right, Skaz, let's do this song, Drive Me Away. We used to play it years ago. So we recorded it at my mate's studio. Hmm. And then I got my mate to put some piano to it. And we're like, let's put this out. And the people I've played it to really, really like it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that, that's going to do all right. Like I say, that's the beauty of us. Like, if it doesn't do all right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think I think it'll I think it'll do okay. I look forward to hearing it. Thank you. Please share. Hint, hint. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I think you know. There's, there's a lot to be said for for making music with that sort of freedom. Do you know what I mean? Lot, lot to be said for making music with that sort of freedom. It's like you say, it's always got to either be fun or it's got to feel right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you know, usually, usually they kind of go hand in hand for me anyway. Um, mm. But yeah, I did recently. I did a, I did a Zoom thing with a young band. In fact, you know, they were fourteen. Actually, Revival, is it? Um, oh yes, yes, yeah, right, yeah, and. I think, you know, when in, in everything I was sort of trying to say, because bless them, do you know what I mean? Like, I think they were kind of looking up to me to not give them the answers, but give them a formula or something like that. And I'd, I'd have been in exactly the same at their age, which I actually really respected about them. Do you know what I mean? That sort of, they were really eager to sort of learn. But, you know, there, obviously there is no fucking formula and, there's, you know, there's no magic way of doing things. But that's the one of the main things that I said. It's just like, you've, you've got to enjoy being with each other and having fun and... If you don't enjoy being with each other, you've got to at least enjoy the noise you're making. Do you know what I mean? Because if you, if well, you have. Do you know what I mean? You have. You know what I mean? Like you can get through if you if you're a really tight unit, or you can get through if you like the noise you're making. Because you know, I've made no secret about. Um, although we got on as a as a unit, you know, individually, we had not strange relations. None of us had strange relationships, but I don't know, man. It's kind of hard to describe, really. But we had dynamics that worked better. Do you know what I mean? Um, in different in different environments, but and you've got you've got to be comfortable with the. But you've got it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun, man. Put it this way, Adam: if you're getting two hours sleep, you're not going to get on with anyone. Yeah, for real. Don't matter who you are. <laughs> it's a fair and point. You were talking about how to be a successful band. Well, you might as well just chuck the music away because you've got to look right. You've yeah, got yeah, to be yeah. relatable. Yeah. You've got to be likable. Yeah. It's the whole thing. I mean, you could have the best song in the world, but if you don't look right or yeah. people can't relate to you, you might as well not bother. And that's what we did this time when we started this time again. Rob's always been into his fashion and he's like, lads, you need to you need to actually wear your best stuff when you do a gig. <laughs> you need you need to wear your best stuff when you do a photo shoot. Like we're turning up to photo shoots in shorts and like an old jumper. Mm. And he's like, listen. People want to relate to you. When you when you look at a band, like when you look at the music, when they first come out, you look at them like, wow, you know, that's cool. I want to be there. But then you look at our photos. I mean, we look like Daddy Longlegs. Because like the, <laughs> Honestly, the picture man, was stretched. I mean, oh, you no, say that. 
We look like fucking shit, man, back in day. Honestly, just like players and like, I don't know. We we never put much thought into that. But I think that, that worked in our favour at the time because I think we just looked like everyone else at that age. And you know what I mean? We yeah. just look like, we just look like I members of the club, mate. Don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You That's what I mean. I was dressing time. like you lads, whereas all my mates were in Ben Sherman Church, you know. So I was right, going right. to like the Indian nights, and they were all going nice. to the trance music. You know what I mean? So yeah, 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 man. You, you, you appealed to people like me. Do you know what I mean? And there was yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. people like me that were into that type of stuff. And yeah, so you've yeah, got, you've got to appeal to people. And I mean, people just think, like people say to me, it's like, oh, you've got this football affili- affiliation. Uh, it should just be about the music. It's like, mate, nothing is just about the music. Mm. Do you know, it doesn't matter. You've you've got to you've got to appeal to certain people. Do you know? Yeah, 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 man. Well, um, Pete, have you got anything else you want to sort of wrap up with? No, I mean, I, I can got... talk about the European Super League all day, but uh, <laughs> we should probably save that for another episode. <laughs> but just just quickly, when I was talking about the TV earlier, we got sat on the sofa at Soccer AM. I'll send you the video after Adam. Yeah, yeah. And it was just coming off the advert. And Rob, the singer, he tapped me up. Bearing him, I, I always talk about Rob's gas because he's the only one that speaks in band. Johnny and Miles just don't say a word. They're just the <laughs> quietest people you'll ever meet. Right, right. And he, and he tapped me on the leg. He's like, turn. I'm starting to panic a bit here. Bearing in mind, he'd been up all night off beer. And he's just ready to go on live TV for an interview on the sofa. Mm. And I says, don't worry, Rob. I'll do all the talking. You'll be fine. <laughs> to which I then took the piss out of him on live TV for the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's brilliant. Fair enough, man. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. I just started going. I was like, oh, you've got to stop it. But I couldn't help myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's awesome. Um, right, so that's been episode 23 of Music and More. I can't believe we're on the 23, man. That is absolutely mental. But it's been uh, really nice to have uh, Turnbull on. Um, not met him before this, so um, spoke to him a lot on social media. But yeah, it's been really nice to have you on the podcast, my friend. So thank you very much for giving up your time. Thanks for having me. And it's been a pleasure to meet you, Adam. Like I say, I've, uh, I've wanted to chat to you for a good part of 20 years now, so I'm really glad it's uh, happened. No, thank you, mate. No, honestly, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, you're a really sound lad. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And yeah, man, I uh, wish you all the best with, um, with everything that you're doing, man. Thank you very much. And uh, good luck on the Temple Newsome gig. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to support me. Uh, yeah. favourite <laughs> Nice gaff, Pete. Nice gaff. Right, so thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a typical. Nah, that, that was, it was that brilliant, was. mate. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs>